Christ Community Church is called by the God of all grace for the transforming of life in Middle Tennessee, spiritually, socially, and culturally. Through the power of the gospel, from Franklin to the nations of the world, all for the glory of God. For more information, visit ChristCommunity.org. This morning, I'm going to invite you to the river, and we're going to go to Ezekiel 47. I'm going to read that passage for you, and then a couple of verses from over in 2 Corinthians as well. So if you'd like to follow along with me here as we begin, Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out by way of the north gate, and he led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling on the south side, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits, and then he led me through the water, and it was ankle deep, and again he measured a thousand, and he led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, I could not pass through. The water had risen, it was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. And when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be many fish. For this water goes there, and the waters of the sea will become fresh. And everything will live where the river goes. Would you say that last line with me? Everything will live where the river goes. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just a couple of verses there I want us to note, beginning in verse 10. And in this matter, I give my judgment, this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise, and we bless your name. May that same river of God that flows from your throne flow in our hearts today and flow through this place today, and wherever that river flows, bring life here for us now. Amen and amen. Why this theme of the river? Well, you know, when you look at it, great 
great cities, all great cities have been raised up on rivers. Whether it's some ancient Babylonian culture on the Tigris and the Euphrates or Egypt on the Nile or Franklin on the Harpeth or Nashville or Greater Franklin, as I prefer to call it, um, on, the Cum- <laughs> on the Cumberland, New York on the Hudson, Paris on the Seine, London on the Thames. You see that civilizations have emerged where the rivers flow. They're not only the means of transportation, but the places where life springs up. And really, of course, the whole Bible begins with that river, the book of Genesis. In Genesis, it says there's a river that was shaped like a cross. It flowed down from the place of communion where God met with his people, and it brought life to the whole world. And of course, now here in Ezekiel, we find a river of life, and it's so full of life that everything lives wherever it goes. It's a very important vision in this book of Ezekiel, which is a book filled with not only wild visions, but in some places, real tragedy. The book opens with God's people going into exile, and Ezekiel's looking at the temple, and he sees God's glory on that house, and he sees the glory get up and leave. You know, sometimes you may be in church and you feel like getting up and leaving. That's okay. We understand it. But you know, it's really trouble if God's in church and God gets up to leave. That's trouble. God got up and left. And Ezekiel sat there waiting for the day when God would come back to his house, when it would be rebuilt and restored. And he has this vision of God's people coming home to their land, back from exile, and the house being rebuilt, and the glory coming back. And part of what happens with that temple being restored and God's people recovering what was lost so long ago is that he sees a great river of life begin to flow. What in creating and praying through and waiting on was that we found growing in our hearts this commitment, this calling to the next generation. And it led to the building of Harpeth House, this structure in which the river can flow. And it's a place next to the river. And that river, that Harpeth River back there, is not only a place where some of you have been baptized or your children and grandchildren have been baptized, where some of you have gone to pray where some of you have had wonderful picnics and maybe kayaked down that river. But you know, too, that that river flows throughout this whole area. And I think it's a beautiful symbol of what God will do with young people and the ministry you bring to them in that place right there by the river. And everything that happens there at the house that's named for a river will be to give life to people all over this area, especially that next generation. You see, friends, it's not just every nation that has to be evangelized. It's every generation that has to be evangelized. You know that for your own children. You train them up in the Lord. You baptize them. You teach them. You make disciples of them. But the reach of the gospel is to those who are children who don't yet know the Lord and whose parents don't yet know the Lord. 
And we're called to bring the gospel way beyond the boundaries of our own personal chronologies and certainly beyond the walls of what so often we just call there's the church. So that's a house, not a church, but it's a house where the church can get busy. The church that is the people that can be those through whom the river flows. How can we follow the Lord over these next couple of years so that that glory of the Lord is seen, so that that river flows? Well, I want to just draw your attention to a few things in this text to become people of the river. Here's the first thing. Look what he says here. He brought me back to the door. Ezekiel 47 verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door. The very first thing that has to happen in us is we have to be brought back to the door. Jesus said in John's gospel, I am the door. It's one of those I am sayings that is often forgotten. People know I'm the bread of life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the good shepherd. Before Abraham was, I am. But this one is more often than not forgotten by people. I am the door. One of the things that has to happen for us to be in the flow of what God is doing to get into the river, the very first thing is this. It's not focusing on the river. It's coming to the door. It's not focusing even on the mission. It's coming back to the door. You know, we just were in this series on first things. Seek first the kingdom. And then in Revelation chapter 2, return to your first love. Jesus said, your love for me has been eclipsed by other passions, by competing loves. And your disordered loves have to be brought back into alignment with the supremacy of love for me that flows from my sacrificial love for you. I have first loved you. And so we have first love for him. And so one of the very first things that has to happen in our hearts today is this. We have to give ourselves to the Lord. It's one thing to give an offering. It's another thing to give yourself to the Lord. Come back to the door. Can I ask you a question? Where are you Often than not, there are so many things that distract us, they turn our hearts, our vision away from Him, and we actually find ourselves pursuing other means of soul satisfaction, and we don't even know that we've drifted away. It's like going to the beach, and you get out there on one of those rafts in the ocean, and you're just laying on there, and you're enjoying what's going on out there. Some of you got spring break coming up. You're going to be laying out there on one of those. And you've had this experience. You don't feel any motion at all. And then you look up. You remember, you saw your mom right there. There she was. That was that point of reference. And then after a couple of minutes, you look up at mom. Why did mom go down the beach? Why did she move? You simply experienced a drift. You drift away. You drift with the currents that are flowing. There is a current in our culture, there's a current in the age that simply moves us and carries us away from that center point because if all we do is simply lay there, we will be distracted, we will drift. Come back to the door. Come back to Jesus. Come back to Him.
Make him the highest priority in your heart and in your soul and in your life. Here's the second thing. He not only said in verse 1, come back to the door, he takes him on a little tour and he, he gets him to this entrance and it, look what it says. It says the water was trickling. It was just trickling. I've always loved rivers and I'm, I'm curious about headwaters and the length of rivers and the width of rivers. And when we lived in Kentucky, I would go down to the foot of Broadway there in in, um, again, one of the major metropolises which have emerged around rivers, Paducah, Kentucky. And I would go down to the foot of Broadway and I'd watch the Ohio flow by. The Ohio would go, of course, eventually into the, the Mississippi. It was fed by the Tennessee River flowing up there into Kentucky. And it would flow into the Ohio and then both would go down into the Mississippi River. The Mississippi River is, of course, the largest river in North America, but at its headwaters up in Minnesota, well, it's only a few feet wide, just a few feet. And I remember looking at that, uh, at that river, at the Mississippi, where it merged with the Ohio, crossing the bridge on many occasions, and thinking about how wide and large it was. And yet it started very small, very small indeed. I saw the water flowing from the temple, and behold, it was just a trickle. It was just a trickle. So often we think that there's some great, great thing that has to be done, or a great person which must do an amazing thing. But the truth is, as J.R. Tolkien observed in Lord of the Rings, that it is small acts of faithfulness done by humble people that actually change the world. Things start small and move to mighty. They begin in small ways, and then God takes hold of them and makes them mighty rivers. You can't despise the day of small things, of small beginnings. You have to, in fact, note it, celebrate it, stand there for a minute in the small, in the apparently insignificant. Nobody necessarily would have looked at a little trickle and said, look at a little trickle, and seen a river that was going to be so great that it would raise the Dead Sea from the grave. But that's what happens with this river. That's what happens with a little trickle because it's not the size of its beginning, it's the source of its beginning. It flows from the throne of God. And when something comes from God and goes through his people into the world, it starts with a very small little trickle flowing from the temple, but it's not the size, it's the source. And the source is the heart of God himself who gives life to the whole world which is trapped in death and darkness, and everything will live where the river flows. But that means you come to the places where it's, it's small and you embrace it. But of course what happens is when you, you get there and you follow it, you follow along the river, you suddenly go, oh, this is, this is getting big. This is really something. Here's what's amazing. 
It says he measured a thousand cubits. How many of you, when I started reading and he measured a thousand cubits, you just went, oh, it's one of those verses. It's the verses with the cubits, which means I just turned the page, right? Oh, cubit. What's a cubit? Well, a thousand cubits is 1,700 feet. So he measured out into the river 1,700 feet. He said, come on out here, 1,700 feet. Here's the third thing. Go deeper. Go deeper. Leave that safe place on the bank and get into the flow of what God's doing. Go deeper. He measured 1,700 feet, and I got out there 1,700 feet, and the water was up to my ankles. I'm an ankle-deep Christian. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't even know if you like rivers. You might find this entire prophetic image terrifying. You might have thought when I was mentioning rafts on the ocean, you're like thinking, I don't know about you, brother, but not me. I have seen jaws. I am not going out there. And I don't even like getting in a river. But it says that he measured another 1,000 cubits, another 1,700 feet. If you could do the math, that's 3,400 feet out. Now, I've sat at the foot of Broadway, and I've seen the Ohio, and I've gone to where the Ohio joins with the Mississippi, and I've seen that confluence of rivers, and it's wide, but 3,400 feet? The Mississippi River, at its widest point from a navigable standpoint, the traffic, the boats on the river, is only two miles wide. In terms of a navigable channel. Oh, it's wider than that in places if you were going to swim it. But it's only a two-mile channel. And it's the biggest. This river is blowing people away. I went out 3,400 feet. That's more than half a mile. I went out more than half a mile into the river, and it was up to my knees. And he measured another 1,700 feet. And I went out, and it was, well, it was, it was hip deep. Now, I don't know how tall Ezekiel was. But let's say he's an average-sized prophet, not a minor prophet. He's a major prophet. So let's make him 6'6", okay? So we'll just say pretty deep, okay? But it's hip deep for Ezekiel. And then he measured another 1,000. And he said, come on. And Ezekiel said, you got to be kidding me. Because now, now we're over a mile, and we're not to the other side. We're just getting out into deep water. And he says, I went out further, and my feet couldn't touch the bottom anymore. Now I'm just in the flow of it. And you can see Ezekiel just kind of, he doesn't even have a Charles Johnson kayak, man. He's just, that's a historic reference for some people. And he's just, he's just, <laughs> he's just flowing down the river. He's flowing out there with his angel guy just going, whoa, and look at all of this. Look, at, he's just, his feet aren't touching the bottom. He's just caught in the flow of the what God is doing in the world. So much of Christianity in the United States is ankle deep. It's 15 miles wide and two inches deep, and if somebody turns the heat on, it's going to evaporate. Huh? That was a come out a little deeper. Come out where your feet can't touch it. Now, it's nice, isn't it? And I appreciate this about the Lord. He didn't pick Ezekiel up on the bank, throw him over his shoulder, go out in the middle and throw him in there and just say, oh, swim. Because that... You know, that's how my dad taught me to swim. He threw me in a pool. He said, swim. He didn't walk away, thank God, but <laughs> he didn't just throw him into the middle of it. 
You know, Jesus sometimes will come walking to you on the surface of the water and say, come on out here and walk with me. And you go, what? You know, everybody, everybody slams on Peter because Peter started to sink. I think Peter's amazing because he got out of the boat to begin with. I wouldn't have gotten out. I'd have said, I've been to college. <laughs> that's, not how that, that's not the way physics works. He got out. He took a few steps. That's amazing. He also walked back to the boat. In Ezekiel's vision, it's not walk on the water, it's get in the flow of it, run with the current. And watch what happens. When you get caught in the current of the Holy Spirit, you go places. How much control do you have when you're just caught in the current? Oh my. I was on a trip out in Colorado on the Arkansas River with some of the guys in this church, the Don Davises and the Dan Lynches and a whole bunch of other dudes. We're just out there. And somebody got the bright idea to go whitewater rafting. So we got in the raft and we got out there on the Arkansas and it was, man, it was, it was rocking. It was rocking. And then the river decided that it wanted to have fellowship with us rather than us just having fellowship on the river. The river came into the boat. Somebody asked me, did you fall out? No, the river embraced me and took me, right? And several of us were taken by the river, and, and, and everybody but me got back in the boat. And I'm just shooting down the river. I'm shooting down the river, and there was a guy who stuck out a paddle from another boat going by, and, and, I'm, and the whole time I'm going, I'm going like, well, Jesus, I'm about to meet you. I thought this could be it. Finally, some other boat got in front of me, and I banged into it, and they drug my sorry, drenched carcass in there. Well, Ezekiel was all wet. Let's go back to the banks, the messenger said. And you know what he discovered? He'd been part of something that healed the world. If the kind of Christianity you're after is a Christianity where you have control, I want you to know you can't tame Jesus. And you can't tame the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will keep coming back to us and say to us, I've got something very wide I'm doing, and I want you to come a little deeper into it. When we began this project a couple of years ago, there was very much a sense of the Lord saying to us, come a little deeper. And I would just want us to be reminded of that. And many of us two years ago said, I'm in. I'm in. But listen to those words again from 2 Corinthians 8. It's a church, Corinth. Paul was involved in collecting funds for the relief of people in Jerusalem, and they had said they're going to do it, and they'd begun to do it. You know, one of the characteristics of God is he always finishes what he starts, and so Paul writes to that church and says, you've begun to do it, you desired to do it, now let's finish doing it. Let's finish the job. It's a one-year construction project, and there it is. It's a four-year funding project. Let's finish what we've started. For those of us who made commitments like me, let's see them through. Many people have already given. You know, there are people who, who made commitments, and then they, were, they might have made ankle-deep commitments, and now they're knee-deep commitments. So I, there's people that have just even increased what they've already done 
But there may be many of us who went, man, I wasn't even here two years ago. I didn't know I had the opportunity to get into the flow of that river to do something with the Harpeth that was going to bring life to the whole region, to all of the next generation. I want to get in on that river. Well, come on. The water is fine. I invite you to join us in that effort. But let's finish what we started. Yeah, we've got to walk here on a Sunday like this and say, let's get in the river. Because the river is deep and the river is wide, and it's the flow of what God's doing. And even if what you see right now is small, let me tell you, what you see as small is something that's going to become life-giving to the whole world. Because you know what's going to happen? One night around a fire over there at the Harpeth house is a young woman sitting There'll be a young lady sitting over there, 13-year-old girl. She'll be with a D group leader. And just like what happened to Lydia in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit will open her heart to the things that are spoken by the D group leader, and Jesus will come in. And that young lady will grow up to become one of the greatest church planter missionaries you've ever heard of in church history. And one night, there'll be a 15-year-old boy who comes with a friend from high school because he heard there was free hot dogs and pizza. And he'll show up, and the Holy Spirit will lay hold of him. And 20 years from now, he'll be one of your pastors because that's the stuff God does, and it changes the world, and everything will live where the river goes. So let's finish what we've started. And if you haven't started yet and you want to get on in, come on. Say, well, I can only make a little commitment, ankle deep. Come on. Come on. I'm going to come back to you in about two years because I'll come back and preach this again. Watch it. Don't let me back. And when I'll do, I'll go hip deep. Come on. Come on deeper. Because everything will live where the river flows. Let's get in. Amen? Pray with me. Lord, we want to be in the flow of what you're doing. We want to be caught in the currents of what the Spirit is bringing to our, our, our world right now, this hungry, broken, thirsty world that needs healing in the midst of so much sickness and disease and pain. There's leaves on the trees of the bank for the healing of the world. Lord, we want to be caught in the currents of that. We want to see dead places come alive. We want to see children and young adults and young people who today are spiritually dead. We want to see them come alive, and everything will live where the river goes. Lord, would you do that with us, we pray. Through Jesus and for his sake, amen.